The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, the, the Chiefs played on Thursday night. How did you spend your Sunday? Uh, I spent my Sunday at a campsite, and I want to apologize right now for all of our neighbors at Longview Lake uh, campsite. The noise we made this morning at 6 a.m. packing up to come back. <laughs> So apologies, apologies out to the campsite, but yeah, we're rocking and rolling. We're through the short week. The Chiefs have no more short weeks the rest of the season. That was a one and only Thursday night football game. There is a Monday night game, but aside from that, uh, it's all Sunday. Well, Christmas Eve, uh, they play on the Saturday of Christmas Eve, but besides those two games, that's it for um, what would be non Sunday games. So we're through that. We're going to be getting into a, a regular routine here on today's show. We'll take a step back and go through some of the news of the past week in our second segment we will review the main takeaways from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid who joined the media over a zoom call uh, earlier Monday morning and then for our final segment we will have our world famous marinated takeaways it's uh, a good show that we have prepared for you today but first John we did get some reviews oh, in excellent which, is, which yeah. is important here so we'll start uh, with this one uh, the number one source for Chiefs content. This is certified, not imposter. The Arrowhead Pride <clears throat> Podcast Network has evolved so nicely over the years. The editor's show is my anchor for the week during the regular season. I get super bummed when it unexpected, unexpectedly doesn't air. The oh. Brits are a jolly good time. Coast to Coast makes me feel young again. The show and BK are stars. And shout out <laughs> to Steven Serta for being the true mastermind behind all of this. No disrespect, though, Pete. We know you're the big boss. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Next one uh, from Robert just says, great podcast. Thank you. Uh, this one from Saul Guy 32. I listen to Airhead Pride podcasts almost every day. Pete is easily the best <laughs> AP owner in history of the show. I remember when it was Matt Castle or also Alex Smith, the quarterback, and Airhead Pride covered the team at that time. It was good then, but it, it is a lot better now, mostly because Mahomes is awesome and the Airhead Pride <laughs> team gets to cover an exciting Chiefs team. I've been a big Chiefs fan for a long time and hope this year can win the Super Bowl and hopefully even next year or after that, too. Thanks, Pete. And go Chiefs. <laughs> OK. And Patrick. Thanks, Enthusiast. Pete and Patrick. Yeah. And Patrick. Yeah. Um, 
five stars from Jonah. Great show. Appreciate all the work that y'all put into the podcast. Uh, this guy says they won't take my name coast to coast. Arrowhead pride has been my go-to for chiefs content. And he's really enjoyed coast to coast since they started really excited for this season and following along. So all the shows got some love. If you leave yeah, us a review nice. on Apple iTunes, ideally it's five stars, but we will read it on the Arrowhead pride editor show as we just did. Okay, John, it's time to get into, into some news here uh, of the past week. And we're going to backtrack a little bit. Talk about the, practice squad kicker uh that the the chiefs have brought in for harrison butker was a little bit of a journeyman and and had the job with the new york jets and ended up losing it uh matt amendola comes in and he ended up playing in this game on thursday night yeah the last show we had uh we knew that they were working out some kickers we didn't know that they were working out six of them and finally amendola was the guy who uh who ended up with a job on the practice squad and then ended up being elevated for the game uh, on Thursday and uh, did pretty well, pretty impressive job under the circumstances. Yeah. And, uh, and what it was described as, I, I believe it was NFL networks, Tom Pelissero is once Harrison Butker was injured and this left ankle wasn't going to cut it. They brought in six kickers for a kicker derby. <laughs> and so Matt Amendola is an interesting guy, 13 of 19 with the New York jets. And, I dug into the numbers a little bit. He was actually two of nine from 40 yards or behind. He ended up kicking two field goals in Thursday night's game and went three for three. Um, so the second part of his career, the second phase is going well for the Kansas City Chiefs. We will see if he ends up playing this week. More from Andy Reid in segment two. Uh, next story you have here, John, Dave Tobe impressed with Harrison Butker's sprained ankle field goal. You're talking about the, the, the this is, the week one field goal where it was mm-hmm. 54 yards. You actually made that one of your marinated takeaways, if I'm not mistaken. I did, and and I put this on the list because uh, Dave Tobe agreed with me. And whenever Dave Tobe agrees with me, I want to you know That's make right. that clear to everybody. As, as Uncle Dave as and Uncle John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no, uh, very impressive uh, for Harrison Butker. I thought because he was able to do that, they just might leave him and, and have him play through injury. They decided not to because I, I think the short rest pop probably played into it. I got to think that by the time the Colts came rolls along, it's going to be two weeks since Harrison Butker was playing. So I got to think he'll be OK. But uh, I guess that it does remain to be seen uh, an impressive job to play through an injury and to nail yeah. that 54 yarder, though. Just yeah, just a wild one. The Chiefs uh, placed Trent McDuffie on injured reserve. We had gone through the injuries last week, John, as we were getting ready for Thursday night football. And I told you that this one con- co- concerned me the most as far as right. missed time. So now we we know that McDuffie is out of the mix for at least the next three games now that the Chiefs have played the Chargers. Yeah, um, this one is, is hurting. Um, you know, he had looked really good in preseason. He looked good in the snaps he had in the week one game. Uh, which were cut short by the injury. Um, I think that it played a role in uh, how well the Chiefs secondary did against the Chargers on Thursday night. I mean, it's not the only thing that was going on during that game, but I think the Chiefs would have had a lot more uh, ability to shut down Mike Williams, for example, if, uh, uh, if McDuffie had been on the field. So it's kind of an unfortunate deal, but it is what it is. Mike Williams is is quite the Chiefs killer. I think the most yeah. interesting part of these injuries to Butker, and it's a kicker, so right, like it's not the most crazy thing in the world, and you, you can replace him for a game or two. Uh, and the injury to cornerback Trent McDuffie is the turf. Andy Reid basically said 
the turf was not up to snuff in Arizona and the injuries happened because the turf was, was not good. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it, you know, you you never want to see injuries, but it feels especially, I think sour, just given the fact that it didn't have to happen. It was the field condition was just, and how does that happen when it's an indoor facility? I just don't understand. So Andy Reid clearly not happy. He, he didn't go too far in, but far enough where you could tell that he and the organization are, are not thrilled about McDuffie being on IR. Yeah, and I agree. I, it's bad enough when injuries happen, but it does seem so preventable uh, to for the, the league to step in in a situation like this. But, uh, you know, as we saw in the one time in my memory a game was ever moved yeah. because of, of a field condition, uh, that uh, Chiefs Rams game in 2018 when it was moved to Los Angeles because the field in Mexico City was so messed up. Um, it's a big problem. Uh, if you if you move a, a, a game because of the field condition, you've got people who've planned to go to that town and have bought tickets to go to the game. And uh, it's a it's a major undertaking to make that change. So while I understand um, the, the argument that the league should be making inspections and making sure that this never happens. The alternative is, is that sometimes the game is going to get moved and that creates a whole nother set of problems. So, um, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to figure out how to fix it. I just, it's, it's, it's just unfortunate that the, the injuries didn't happen. And I like, I know for a fact that the Kansas City Chiefs make sure that their field is always top condition. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think is frustrating is you would expect the same type of, of work happening around the league and clearly not in any way. So we'll see about Trent McDuffie. We'll get Andy Reid again on Wednesday. He wasn't asked about it today, but I'm, I'm wondering, I think the only thing I'm wondering when it comes to his injury is so when you're placed in IR, it's at least four games. It doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be back after four games. So I right, think, right. I think what we do need, you know, on this pulled hamstring is is a little bit more of a, a solid timeline. It has to be pretty serious because for you know for them to just say, look, we're going to take you off your feet. You're going to be out of practice and and go, you know, you go to IR. You know, it is going to take some time. But I'm just curious if if we can expect him back. I guess for what would be that week six or seven game, I guess, you know, right. And and I think being. at this point we don't know, he could be back yeah. or he might not be. It just depends on the severity of the injury. And oftentimes in these situations, we don't get much specific information about that. You know, when you ask Andy Reed about how a player is doing, he says, well, we'll just have to see. <laughs> and that's usually about all we he, get. He says the head trainer, Rick, Rick can tell you that, but the, the problem is we don't talk to Rick. So, uh, <laughs> That's the catch 22. Um, Next story. Patrick Mahomes was named the AFC offensive player of the week. That was for the first game where that five touchdown outburst. Mm -hmm. I well-deserved interesting part about that is that is the eighth uh, weekly award for Patrick Mahomes tying Derek Thomas. So that seems certainly like a a chief's record that he is going to have eventually. I I believe Patrick Mahomes is another weekly award at some, some point, but you know, when you say DT, in the same breath uh, as as right. a player currently playing, I mean, you know, that's a very very special player. We 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 we're never short of complimenting Patrick Mahomes for everything he does. But just this is just another accolade that that's interesting. Eight eight weekly awards in his career. Are you are you sure we shouldn't be complimenting him more often? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I think we do like it we enough. Ask, yeah. Okay. I feel right. like I feel like we hit the quota uh, on a regular <laughs> basis here in Kansas City. <laughs> George Karloftis thinks he's uh, a goldfish or likes to think like a goldfish. Uh, this this story came up uh, and he was talking to the media. Essentially, goldfish don't have good memory, right? 
that was yeah, the yeah. point behind this um yeah. off the goldfish thing yeah I, I don't know where he gets this information but he he said that he uh, uh treated it as if he had goldfish memory because goldfish don't remember yeah. things immediately after they happen now i'm not sure how they know this is it perhaps right. from interviews with goldfish you know i don't know but um they that this is apparently very forgetful of, and this a is a good thing that he's picked up and is and used it in the press conference that I just thought it was funny <laughs> as a rookie in the NFL. Uh, essentially, what he's saying is, you know, you'll make mistakes. So from one player sure. to another, he doesn't think about it for a while, which is a, a good thing. And yeah, man, I, and he looks he was looking the part right now as far as a day one starter at defensive end. Yeah. All right. Stadium got a throwback design for the 50th anniversary. I thought this was a really nice touch to Thursday Night Football, John. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm torn on that one. I loved the the throwback to Municipal Stadium that they did a few times uh, in the last couple of years. I loved that. Right. But that's because I'm an old guy and I remember that and you know, the throwback to the glory days. The the thing that bugged me about this, it's appropriate in terms of celebrating the 50 years of Arrowhead history. Yeah. But the team wasn't very good in those days and that's kind of a jarring note. <laughs> It is a cool design, but you're right. the The team is a lot better better now. I like when I like when the Chiefs mix it up a little bit because they're very traditional, and uh, I like that part of it too. Where you know they don't they don't veer too far away from the uniforms, but when they spice up the field, I really like that. Like I I was a big fan of the way that the gold end zones looked when when they were doing that, and so mm-hmm. this was a nice touch. And you have the Arrowhead logo in the middle of the field. Really clean look for for Thursday night football. Uh, Jalen Watson promised to put on a show. We talked about how McDuffie was out of the mix. I, I wrote this article. I, I had opportunity to talk to Jalen uh, in the locker room this week. And, and you know, I, that was the key part of the story for me is, is in his past breakup in Arizona, when he had to go in, in a pinch, he broke up the pass with his head. And then he said that he was so in the moment that he forgot to do his celebration which he reveals me was a bow. And I said, well, why the bow? And he said, because I love to give the fans a show and essentially promising look in his first spot start in the, in the nickel that he was, he was going to try to do that on Thursday night. And my God, he did uh, with, yeah. with the, the pick six. And then you start to see the rehash of his story where he was ineligible for a season, had to work at Wendy's with his mom who was in attendance. So three years ago, out of college football, working at a Wendy's with his mom, Fast forward three years. He's not flipping burgers. He's flipping the field with a yeah. catch, a 99-yard <laughs> touchdown. And the interesting thing, I'm trying to get the stat right. I tweeted it, but it was the longest touchdown by a rookie in, um, in the fourth, for a fourth quarter go-ahead touchdown in NFL history. So some some history made it Arrowhead on Thursday. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it was a great play. No, no doubt about it. And it wasn't just a random occurrence. He played that situation extremely well and uh, baited Justin Herbert into throwing the ball in a position where he could uh, step into it and take it uh, with a, a green field in front of him and and then uh, managed to break the tackle that Justin Herbert tried to make as he went downfield. I always love to watch that happen. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that play. I don't know why quarterbacks try to tackle. I, I understand like you're in the moment, you're a competitor if I I would if I was coaching, I would tell my quarterback as the head coach, I'd say, look, if you throw a pick, get out of the way, honestly, because <laughs> what's what can ha- what good can happen? Right. Like, right. I understand yeah. you're giving up seven points, but that's better than seven weeks off. If you get drilled, uh, you know, now that you're you're eligible to be blocked, like 
just get out of the way. I can't, you know, but it, it didn't end up happening to Herbert. He got hurt actually um, on a more traditional play, but uh, kudos to Watson. And just like a really, if, if you watch the interview, or you listen here on, on from the podium, just a really likable guy mm-hmm. Yeah, and fitting right in. And, and he, he's probably thinking like a goldfish because it did not seem like the moment was too big for him. And kudos to him. I mean, as a seventh rounder, you have to really win that next man up position. And they had a fourth rounder on this team who was turning heads in training camp. I would talk to Steve every day and man, how many times are we saying Joshua Williams throughout training camp and for Watson to make the impression he did, they, they think he he's a better player and it's kudos to Watson for doing it. Kudos to Brett Veach for, for getting it. Kudos for Spags, you know, for realizing it. And I'm, you know, of course you want Trent McDuffie to be out there, but I'm eager to continue to watch Watson, you know, for the weeks to come here as, as uh, he's filling in. Well, that's how these players get their opportunities. It's unfortunate when injuries happen, but, you know, rookie players from the seventh round don't generally get on the field unless there's an injury that takes place. So they have to make it, uh, take advantage of those opportunities when they occur. And, uh, and you have to give him credit for recognizing that moment and making the most of it. And it's exciting to watch, of course, too. That is the news. So we got through all the news that we had uh, over the past week. We will get our first injury report for the Chiefs and Colts on Wednesday afternoon. So look out for that at arrowheadpride.com. When we come back, we'll dive into some of the quotes from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride, editor's show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. A few days after the Chiefs' 27-24 win over the Los Angeles Chargers, these these takes that we're going to have in segment three are going to be especially marinated. I mean, typically we're coming at you. <laughs> the afternoon after the game where it's been 24 hours, we've had quite a few days to think about uh, this game with the chiefs winning an all important AFC West game, but let's uh, let's keep it with Andy Reid for now. And we had talked about the status of Harrison Butker and whether or not he will play on Sunday against the Colts. Here was Andy Reid's update from Monday morning. Yeah. So all our guys, you know, the guys that we had mentioned before, we're getting treatment, but we just got to see, I mean, that's what it is right now. I mean, it's kind of wait and see the, they're busting their tail to get everything right. But, um, you know, let's just see how this week goes. And every day he's making improvement, and that's important. So, so you heard Andy Reid say 
the guys that we mentioned that were getting treatment. So not only does that include Butker, John, that also includes wide receiver McCole Hardman, who hurt his ankle, mm-hmm. and wide receiver Justin Watson, who hurt his shoulder on the onside kick, and then defensive end Mike Dana, who strained his calf. Uh, amazing to be saying this, I think, but of all of these injuries, the one to Dana is probably the one you're watching the closest. He seems the most important to the team at the moment and has had a really nice start to the season, but we'll get more clarity on this on Wednesday. Yeah. Once again, we're not getting a whole lot of information from Andy on this, but this is what he does. And it's probably a good thing, frankly. Um, I think that you're always holding an additional card on an opponent when you don't tell them very much about the, the injuries that the team has. And uh, Andy Reid has certainly shown over the years that he's willing to play that card when he needs to, which is, uh, you know, all the time. There was a moment in this game where, where Derwin James essentially did a wrestling move on Travis Kelsey. And so one of the questions this morning essentially was, well, Andy, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's in uh, the eye of the official there, what they, consider i know that they've called it against us before so um i i wasn't sure exactly what way that would go but thought maybe they would they would go in the direction for us but it, it didn't work out that way and you know it might have been a little bit because kels tried to jump and get himself he wanted to he wanted to score there so it might have looked <clears throat> you know that position that the defender had on him wasn't that he literally just picked them up. It was Kelsey kind of helped him with getting up there. And then uh, you still had the slam, which probably didn't have to take place like that. But, you know, kind of in the eyes of the, the official there and what they, what they deem it. I, but I do know we've been called for that. Look, I, I try to be honest on this podcast. I know that we're obviously very, very chiefs friendly and being Arrowhead pride, but to me that he jumped up. I don't like, I don't know what, Derwin, I mean, I I get you don't have to slam him to the ground necessarily, right? right? Mm-hmm. But he's also what a two hundred some odd pound man. Like I don't know how I, I just like I I don't know how it, it could have gone any differently. And, and I'm just surprised that people are as upset about this particular play uh, as they are. Like if Kelsey doesn't jump, Derwin James doesn't do that, in my opinion. He's not a dirty player, right? And uh, they take a pretty substantial effort to get. Kelsey up far enough in the air that you could throw him down the way he did. So I think yeah. that the point that Andy Reid was making that Kelsey probably helped him out a little bit. And perhaps that was more obvious to the official wherever he saw the play from than it was to us watching on TV. We always have to remember that they have a different viewpoint on these things than we do. So uh, that may be what entered into it. But I agree that once it happened, throwing into the ground wasn't such a great thing. And I think that's why he ended up with, what was it, a, a fine for just under $16,000. So uh, I, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm ready to move on from the whole thing. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's football. This right. isn't, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, to me, it it was a bang-bang play, and I, I don't think he, it, he meant to make it a dirty play that's all i'm saying. right yeah all right continuing with andy reed uh analytics uh has been a topic of conversation in kansas city uh when it comes to numbers and pff and what they offer and so andy reed opened up a little bit this morning when it comes to decision making and how much uh analytics are involved now listen i mean he stays in tune with everything so he's pretty pretty <clears throat> observant on things and pro football focus done a nice job with their stats and their analysis so i i I think they're they're pretty accurate with things and that's usable information and if it drives you it drives you but it's it's also pretty real so and that's what you know mike frazier deals and all of that so he can tell you what's right and wrong and 
and he he gives guys uh you know he's also putting information out there too for us so we do use it so there's andy reed talking about mike frazier who was in charge of statistics uh for the chiefs uh, and what I find really interesting about this, John, is is Andy Reid does look at the numbers. And, for example, in that decision to kick the field goal the other night, um, you know, a lot of people were saying they should go for this. And even the numbers were saying that. But that's one of those scenarios where Andy Reid just doesn't really feel like it's the right decision. And he'll sometimes overrule what are mm-hmm. the numbers. But I, I think he uses them a lot. Like, I think Mike Frazier is, is probably more important than people realize. I agree. I I think that uh, the place where a lot of the focus gets placed on it is a situation like that, uh, that fourth and one play in Thursday night's game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 51% of the time is the statistic uh, teams that go for it at fourth and one on the goal line score a touchdown. Well, you know, if we were talking about 51% of anything, we wouldn't say it was a compelling reason to do something. I mean, that's just barely better than flipping a coin. And I think that you can make an argument that in this particular game, that three points, you know, close to being guaranteed, not entirely guaranteed, but close to being guaranteed, uh, would play a bigger role in the game than perhaps getting six points. And I think that's what Andy Reid was thinking about there. Now, you know, if you're just going to make it strictly on the the basis of the percentages, like a baseball manager would do. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, This is where this reliance on statistics comes from. Well, that's fine because in baseball, you play 162 games a year and there's just too much room for, you know, making a, a call just on the percentages every time. Uh, to go horribly wrong on you. And that's essentially what Andy Reid's arguing, whether it's right or wrong. I'm just trying to understand, you know, where he's coming from on this deal. Yeah. And I, I, I think, and as the conversation went on, he went on to say Mike Frazier provides percentages and whether there are six success rates and whether to go for mm-hmm. it on a, on a fourth yeah. and short or a fourth and four, something like that. Uh, and it's just part of it. And I, I, I think, in, in listening to Reed and, and I'm sure that this being an old school guy, this is something he probably had to like embrace over the years. And, and that, right, right. that's a bigger point about Andy Reed um, and, and an underrated part of it's besides making the playoffs and having so much success with two separate organizations that, that people don't realize is he is very good about self-awareness in the sense mm-hmm. of, yep. I'm, I'm, I might be able to do this better. And I think that's why he's such a successful head coach to make the playoffs as much as he does is just, insane i mean the amount of times to to make the postseason and i get it you only have the one super bowl as a head coach but still i just i think that consistency and that looking inside and and saying okay how can we benefit from numbers and then also choosing when to listen to them i i i'm a i i've gotten like in as far as analytics go i think we're we're so caught up especially in twitter of i support analytics or i don't don't draft a running back in the in the first round you know because the numbers say not to and i think it I think the right place to be is somewhere in between where you right. like you make you look at it. It's one of the things you look at. But in the end, it doesn't affect your decision uh, completely. I guess it's the right way to me. This is just like the argument of, uh, versus film versus statistics. You know, uh, some people say that statistics are meaningless because they can be manipulated. And some people say uh, and therefore film is the only way to evaluate the performance of a football team. And other people say film is too subjective. And so you've got to rely on the statistics, which are cold, hard facts. 
But the fact of the matter is that you really have to pay attention to both of those things. And this is kind of the same thing. You know, it's got to be part of your decision-making process, but it's probably not smart to rely on it completely. And that's that's what Andy Reid's communicating. And I completely agree with you that uh, there's few more self-aware coaches in the NFL than the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid. Well, that is Andy Reid. If you want to listen to the entire press conference, you can. You can do that on From the Podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. When we come back, it's those world-famous marinated takeaways. Stay with us. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt, react, readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Welcome back in. It's the Arrowhead Pride Show. And one of the uh, more fun times of the week, John, as we, we discuss our, our marinated takeaways, uh, Steve made us a, a nice new sounder. I heard that in the post-editing this week, but we're actually hearing it in our ears. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of the uh, marinated takeaways, Jan, here? Uh, well, I, I just hope it doesn't take years for us to come up with these. <laughs> I was ch- <laughs> chuckling over that. <laughs> Things yes, can move yes. much too fast for that. I'm sorry. So the Chiefs end up winning this game 27 to 24, uh, first division game of the year. And it's against the team, I think, probably of the other three teams in the division looks the best right now. The Broncos look no other way to say this. And I know that a lot of Chiefs fans are smiling about this. They look pretty awful at this point. I mean, they almost lost Mm -hmm. to the Houston Texans yesterday. The Raiders completely folded in in their game, losing um, to the Arizona Cardinals after building a twenty to nothing lead. They ended up losing twenty nine to twenty three in overtime, and so the Chargers feel like the biggest threat. So to get this game early is a is a good thing. Now let's dial back and and talk about what we what we thought about this game, John. And I'll start with you for your very first marinated takeaway. Well, um, I agree that the Chargers look like the the real competitor uh, within the division after two games, which is always going to be a limited point of view anyway. Yeah. But uh, looking back, we probably should have credited the Los Angeles defense a little more than we did mm-hmm. uh, going into this game. I mean, I you know, it's always easy to look back on your prediction, but I think I called for a, a 31-24 Chiefs win. And that was just a little bit too optimistic in terms of, you know, what uh, Los Angeles's defense could do. So uh, we probably should have given them a little more credit. And they do, in fact, have a couple of outstanding players on that defense who really showed up in this mm-hmm. game. And and uh, and that made a difference. I just get the feeling, and, and this is to your point, too, about the Chargers, I, I just get the feeling that one of these teams, be it the Chiefs or the Chargers, are going to be pretty ticked off to be the fifth seed in the AFC because yeah. <laughs> I, I could see them both being like 12 and five. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, Chief, 
you know, the Chargers could be 12 and five and have a better record than the third and fourth seeds in the AFC. If, if that how that's how it, it kind of plays out, that's that's the, the division, um, you know, the division gets you into the dance, but you can end up ha- having to go on the road, even if you have a better record because of the way that that works out. Uh, the Chargers uh, defense is is it's scary. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are scary. Derwin James looks great. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think the yeah. Chiefs were fortunate to come away with this win. I mean, that if that interception does not get overturned, you, Chiefs probably lose this game. I mean, if we're being honest with each other. So they, they got a little bit of a break there with the ball hitting the turf. They reversed it. And uh, we know what happened after that. My first takeaway is not on the Chargers, but on the Kansas City Chiefs. And it goes along with the theme that we've been talking about for months now. And so it's a little bit of me repeating myself, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. In this Tyree Kill, post-Tyree Kill world we're living in, I just find that this team may be better and might be built to be more of a consistent winner based on the way they're, they're built. And and this game was, a, I think, a... a perfect um microcosm of what i think this team is as far as being complete i just think they're a more complete team than i can recall covering um even in in the super bowl year like the defense wasn't that good until the end um Mm -hmm. in in the super bowl year right now the offense did have have its struggles but look they they got it done they won the game because of of a pick six by Jalen watson and i think some of the pressure that they were able to get on justin herbert herbert was never comfortable he ended up uh, I believe the the injury was broken cartil- rib cartilage, which it was Ouch. on a yeah, it was on a clean hit. He you know he, he tried to you know, fight his way through, but I mean they were they were all over Herbert all night, and that's on the defensive side. And then you know you look at special teams and how Matt Amendola steps up in in a in a big spot. I mean I I understand that it's only a um, a what was it nineteen yard field goal to tie the game. But you're an arrowhead. It's rocking. This is your next chance to be a kicker in the NFL. You know, ideally for Amendola, what he wants is this little tryout to turn into a kicker job elsewhere, um, and to to make that kick, and then to make the the other kick to kind of seal the deal. Uh, ended up being really the game winning points because the Chargers got to 24. Uh, so um, to me, you know, you you look at Patrick Mahomes, and we know about spreading the football, where you have four receivers with 40 or more yards. I mean. Travis Kelsey led the team in yards with 51. Uh, you're really spreading the ball at that point. You have the defense and you have the special teams. And I just, I don't know. I feel like I like this team more now maybe than I even did in the, the Legion of Zoom era that was with Tyreek Hill. I think that's an excellent point. I think the defense isn't getting enough credit at this point. Um, I they never start lot- fast with Spags too. And right. they're starting fast. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that, that people don't want to recognize. I think a lot of people have made up their minds um, on, you know, what Spag, what Spagnola brings to the team and they don't want to see anything past that. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, you know, I get why they feel that way. It's not comfortable to watch the team start slow on defense and start in the case of last year, super slow on defense. I mean, they just look terrible uh, through the opening weeks of the season last year. There's no, there's no arguing about that, but they turned around at the end. They get to the AFC championship game. Uh, They ranked 10th in points allowed over the whole season, even after being terrible in the first part of the season. 
you know, this is a defensive coordinator who's going to be around for a while and not just because he's Andy Reid's friend, which he is. And, uh, but it's, he's, he's doing a good enough job to keep it. And, uh, and I think we're seeing that in the opening weeks of this season. So we're going to pause marinated takeaways right now for yep. some, some mm-hmm. breaking news here. And, you know, speaking of the defense clicking on all cylinders, this is a, a big hit. Willie Gay yes. uh, has been suspended by the NFL for the January arrest in Overland Park on misdemeanor property damage. Uh, and the uh, suspension will begin immediately. So they will not have him for the next four days. We were mm. unsure if this would eventually turn into a suspension. I did not think that if it did, it would be four games. I'm a little confused as to why, if this was an off season thing, how the decision didn't come down to include the first two games of the season, but it is what it is. It it finally came through the the wire here. And so I'm going to pull up the schedule right now for a second. Um, And that means he will miss games against the, Indianapolis Colts, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and so that is a significant, significant hit to the defense, John. Yeah, well, uh, this is why they have uh, uh, Darius Harris on the team. Um, he actually played very well when he had to fill in when Anthony Hitchens and uh, was it was it Gay who was out then? Yeah, a couple step, years ago. Step in and I, yeah. I believe it was and, Yeah. Yeah, and uh and and he did well in the preseason this year and uh found himself earning a spot on the roster, so I think we're going to see opportunities for him and also for Leo Chanel. It's next man up. You know, yeah. this is this is what happens. Yeah. And I'm I'm I, stunned by the uh the um the number of games for this. Right. But, um, you know, the NFL has its own way of doing things and they continue to prove it over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. And we know that. And this is the, you know, the the benefit of of the situation for for off the field. We know that Willie Gay is in a better place. Remember, he had gone through some mental stuff last year. This was obviously um, something that wasn't good. It seemed like there was a situation with him and and it's domestic. Um, And it was a it was called misdemeanor. Um, criminal damage gay was at his son's house visiting he and the mother got into an argument during which he broke their vacuum um i remember rapaport uh, ian rapaport at the time said no one was touched beyond the broken appliance uh, and he was charged with destruction of property of less than one thousand dollars and and it was in jail in january and uh now yeah now you're getting the the personal conduct policy we haven't seen the league i can't recall them really tapping into the personal co- conduct policy recently all that much. I'm a, I'm a little surprised that this got a suspension at all. I'm very surprised with the length of it. Um, again, the, the problem with the league and these suspensions is there's no precedent or rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it, the, I get it. You know, you know, you have a personal conduct policy. Everyone knows the rules, but like, it's just a little random for me. Like wh- why mm-hmm. is it so random? You know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. and you can't you can't ever really predict is this even a suspension and 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 if it is like what what are they using to to say okay it's four games instead of two I I just I don't understand that's where I, that's my only like hang up there I, I think the Chiefs will be fine I think I think they'll attack the second level the opposing teams are going to start attacking the second level um a little bit more consistently early in the game so the the backups are going to have to 
play well. But I, 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 my complaint is just I, I don't get the rhyme or reason of the league. Well, uh, we rarely do. And there are plenty of people outside of Kansas City who would use Tyreek Hill as an example. You know, there are plenty of people outside of Kansas City who don't didn't read the same news stories we read right. while all that was going on. They only followed the first headlines that came out of that situation and believe that Tyreek Hill should have had a very long suspension instead of some, instead of none at all. And so uh, another example, you know, uh, from a different perspective of how random this can be. I think they did the right thing with Tyreek Hill. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how this ends up being four games. And, and so I'm right there with you. This just seems totally random to me. Um, that was people's I, I get that they want to do something, but why not a game? Why not two games? That know? was that was the, the complaints in in Cleveland with with Deshaun sure. Watson. It's like sure. So it's just eleven games, right? Like how how did we land here? Like yeah. I don't know. I just think it. I, I think it needs to be a little bit more transparent of 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 when certain guys get suspended for different reasons. I, I agree. It just it feels. It, I keep saying the same thing, but it feels too too random. And here, this from from Ron Cop tweeting our lead analyst, so you can hear right here on the AP Podcast Network. Talking about a young Chiefs defense that is faster and more aggressive, Willie Gay was at the center of that enormous loss for the unit on an upward trajectory. I mean, we were just talking about how great the defense looks to, mm-hmm. to start the year, and, and this is something the Chiefs are going to have to overcome. But look, there's uh, adversity during the NFL season. We've already seen the rookie, Trent McDuffie, out for the next four games, and now they will be uh, with without Willie Gay uh, as well. John, let's continue marinated takeaways as we wrap up this Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. What is your your next takeaway from the game? Well, I just wanted to comment on the beauty of the way they've now structured the NFL practice squad. Um, we're looking at this situation where Harrison Butker has a sprained ankle and they need somebody to take his place. And the solution is to hire a kicker on the practice squad and elevate him for those three games that Butker is likely to be out. You know, he might be out for just two games, but it could be as many as three. And if it turns out they need him for games beyond that, they can sign him to the active roster for three weeks. And uh, it's really a a neat way to give teams uh, a little more flexibility in how they can handle injury situations. I really applaud the league. I mean, it took a pandemic to get them to do it, but they were kind of moving this way uh, with the most recent iteration of the CBA, which occurred before the pandemic. But I think the pandemic just made it clear to everybody. Yeah, we need this all the time. And I, I think it's, I think it's really cool. The coaches all like it. Andy Reid talks about it all the time about how much they like the, the new Mm -hmm. formulations for the practice squad. And this is a great example of how well it can work. You also can use it as a like developmental system, sure. yeah. almost like a minor leagues. And and I think these guys who have to step up and 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 fill in, um, they're better if they're around the team the whole year. It actually makes for a better product because fo- injuries are going to happen in football. So when these guys are are called up, they're they're already in tune with with the team. They're not coming off the street and having to learn things mm-hmm. on the fly, yeah. right? Um, so we we will see. Um, who ends up coming up if someone ends up coming up? I know that Jack Cochran was a name um, that it was interesting for him to be involved in a, in a call up. And I wonder if we'll start to see that a little bit more now that Willie Gay yeah. will be out of the mix there. So good point by you on the practice squad. 
Uh, my next marinade takeaway, and I, I talked a little bit about it, but uh, I'll just reiterate. And and I just keep thinking about Amendola and how he was perfect. Um, aside from and Andy Rita noted on on from the podium, aside from the final kickoff that was a little bit shorter uh, than Andy Reid would have liked, but again, it was a 19 yarder and I believe a 31 yarder, but just really important kicks. I mean, we see kickers miss from that those lengths all the time right like we see kickers miss 25 yarders constantly in the nfl i mean it, it happens and to to just come off the street and, and step up for harrison butker in a, in a big spot where you only won the game by three points um i don't know i in in all that was thursday night i don't even i don't know if he got enough a, a, a deserved attention just because um it's it's not an easy role to come in and and be as good as he was for the chiefs yeah, it, it it's not easy, and all the kickers who have kicked routinely in Arrowhead uh, talk about how difficult it is to kick there and to be in a situation like that uh, with all the noise that's made in the stadium and everything else, which Andy Reid alluded to today, uh, in addition to the atmospheric conditions there, um, it's very impressive. And, um, you know, I don't think any of us have any illusions. You know, Amendola isn't going to replace Harrison Bucker. He's not going to be at Harrison Butker's level, which is very high. But uh, it's nice that we can bring in a guy without having to make a big commitment to him. You know, people are always saying, why can't the NFL just let all 53 players play? Well, they're still they're still using this antiquated rule where you have to make a certain number of players inactive. But at least they have made a way for them to have some more players in reserve. So that's a good thing and a step in the right in the right direction. It does seem a little outdated with the fifty-three thing. Like, why do why do certain amount of players have to be inactive? I mean, it it, it seems like a rule that should be changed. I, I think the game would be better for it because you're you're getting fresher legs and you can have specialists well, and whatnot. Yeah, I I think that it comes from a desire uh, to give teams with injuries a, a a more competitive game. You know we accept that there are always going to be a certain number of injuries to an NFL team. And so not everybody will get to play. And so the idea about the inactive players is that both teams have to make a certain number of players inactive, a number that is probably greater than the injured players they presently have on their roster. So that way each team is going out there with the same number of uh, non-injured players. I mean, it's kind of weird, but I think that's what the thinking was when they first uh, made this rule in the NFL was that it was a way to even the playing field uh, with, 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 with regard to injured players who were still on the roster. I could be wrong, but that's what I've always assumed was the, was the logic behind it, was that it was a way to just equalize things a little bit. Okay, John, what's your next marinated takeaway? Uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire, 192 yards from scrimmage in two games. Mm. Um, this is a, a guy who right now we'll see after another couple or three weeks or four weeks or five weeks, whether this continues, but so far he's looking like a real contributor to this team. And I think it's great. Yeah. I, I think the, the Clyde start to the year has been a fun point to watch. I mean, we had talked about how it was sort of a make it or break it. Mm-hmm. year yeah. for him and he's risen to the occasion so far and, and i'm i'm impressed with that room as a whole i just think that that the the chiefs have a 
have a good thing going on when it comes to this running back by committee. It, it starts with Clyde, but I, I don't know. I, I feel that I feel good when McKinnon's touching the ball. I feel good when Pacheco is touching the ball. Uh, also, I, I, I think a point with Clyde too is he had the presence of mind late in this game to, to give himself up in bounds. And so, you know, to me, that was impressive. It ended up being a penalty and the clock stopped anyway, but you know, not, not forgetting, you, you know, being aware of where you were in the game, I, I thought was impressive in that long run for Clyde as well. Um, my final marinated takeaway, uh, and this is more of a marinated takeaway that, that I guess encompasses the, the first two games of the season, but Chris Jones looks like he's one of the best defensive players in the league right now. He ended up getting five pressures uh, and two sack, two sacks. Uh, we love PFF here at AP, and he had an impressive 22.6% uh, pass rush win rate um, and they've got a 90 plus uh, or a 90.0 plus pass rush grade uh, in in the first review of this game and he had to stop against the run and he just looks like a player that is is taking over and if, if he can continue to add up these sacks that's where these defensive tackles get in the mix for defensive player in the year so I think it's more of a question right now. I guess maybe I, that's how I should have phrased my marinade takeaway is, is Chris Jones quietly in the defensive player of the year race? And I think the answer is, is yes, at least to start the year. I think it was interesting. Uh, I mentioned this in the snap counts article this week that Chris Jones is being used less on the edge than he was before last year's edge experiment a uh, year before last Jones was lining up on the edge about one snap and three. Now it's about one snap and five. Mm -hmm. And I think that has contributed to his um, ability to play the kind of game he's capable of playing is that he's not having to stray so far from what he knows how to do. And uh, the chiefs are getting him uh, on the field in snaps where he knows what to do more often. And still uh, having an opportunity to line him up elsewhere to keep the other guys guessing. Meanwhile, Tershawn Wharton is getting a few more snaps on the edge from being, moving to the outside from the inside again as a way to keep uh, the offenses guessing. So uh, I agree. I think that Chris Jones has looked great uh, so far, and I think that we are well past the, the edge rusher experiment from, uh, from last season. I think he, he was good to get out of his system, too. I think he really wanted this for a long time. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think he loved the experience and went back yeah. to his position that he was most comfortable with. And I think you're seeing him, him thrive. And I just wonder, I mean, he's got he's to have a lot of we're talking about defensive player of the year. So, you know, you got to get by what will be Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and Michael Parsons of the Cowboys. Looks ridiculous this year. But I I just think if he can, you know, continue to get to the quarterback, you never know if Chris Jones can find himself uh, in that mix by the end of the season. I well, think uh, Joe Collin may have something to do with this as well. Yeah. Joe, I that's happen a good to point see, too. yeah, I happen to see a clip of uh, Chris Jones making a big play and coming on the sidelines, and Joe Collin is just, you know, having a yeah. ball with him there on the sidelines. I think there could be something there too. I think the defensive line as a whole just looks great. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's just relentless right now. And they mix and match. They have a rotation. They're they're doing some things at the line that I don't think we've seen in previous years with Brendan Daly. And I, I think you're right to to credit uh, Joe Cullen uh, in, in that sense. 
All right. Well, we have to get off the podcast, John, so I could write up this article about <laughs> Willie Gay's suspension, unfortunately. But uh, good show for you guys today. We've covered the news. Andy Reid, you can listen to him in full on From the Podium. And then we also gave our marinated takeaway. Stay with us this week. It's week three, the Indianapolis Colts and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs traveling to play the Colts on Sunday. But for now, uh, for John Dixon and Steve Serta behind the glass, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 